Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hey everyone, welcome to True Stream. I'm in my cash with Healing Journeys today. Do appreciate you joining with me today and uh, got a good word for us. Um, um, I am going to continue on the topic that we left off last week. And that topic was, does God use sickness and disease to chastise his children? And most of that teaching is really it comes out of the sovereignty of God thinking, uh, teaching the extreme sovereignty of God that nothing happens without God, good, bad, or in, indifferent. It's all God's fault or God's doing it. And, uh, and we've talked about that in the past, that that is an unscriptural uh, uh, teaching, but we're just looking at one little piece of that today. Many people I talk to and many people that are sick and have a prolonged sickness or not seeing any recovery, uh, the enemy uses that against them. Even though I had knowledge and understanding of the truth of God's word, and uh, you know, when I was very sick and almost died, um, the devil came against me with that thinking. Now, I hadn't, you know, practiced or thought about that uh, in like you know, uh, ten years and are over 10 years yeah like 15 almost 20 years i'd never uh that teaching had never come to my mind but when i got sick and things were not changing in my life the enemy just as he did with eve in the garden he hasn't changed his tactics at all he pointed his finger at god and said see god is the one making you sick god is the one doing this to teach you something. And, you know, I thought to myself, I was, a, you know, when that came to my mind, I knew it was wrong, but I knew it's like, I wondered where in the heck did that come from? And the Lord reminded me that I had grown up under that teaching. And, uh, you know, that's what I was taught growing up when someone would get sick and die in our church and we'd pray and pray and pray and pray for them. And they'd die. They'd, they'd all say, well, well, God was teaching Aunt Susie, you know, uh, a lesson. And uh, you know what? Once she learned the lesson, she didn't want to be here anymore. And so God took her home. And they had all these stupid, I mean, excuse me, but yes, that is a judgment. Uh, and it's a righteous judgment. Stupid doctrines that bound people instead of setting them free. And you know why they did this? I discovered that when people don't know something or they're not getting results of something they see in the word, they, it's in their mind, it's easier just to blame God. Like, well, he's, you know, he can, and if he could, he would, and so he doesn't want to, so it's his fault. And folks, that couldn't be farther, farther from the truth. And, uh, you know, that brings me uh, back to what we're talking about here today. You know, last week, I'm just going to bring up a few points that I brought up last week because I want to emphasize them from a different angle so I can jump back into Hebrews uh, chapter 12, where most of this teaching 
this wrong teaching of God makes people sick uh, comes from. And that doctrine makes me sick. And uh, so anyway, that's just my opinion. So anyway, uh, we were talking about uh, last week. Think about this. If God uses sickness, which is incipient death, its destruction and its loss. So if you're saying, and it creates loss in your life, if you live through it, uh, if God's using that, then think about this. If if God has done, uses something that brings forth death, then love has become hate and life has become death and light has become darkness. Think about that. I said this last week, but to me that if you just step back and you looked at it from that point alone, you'd have to say, well, the scripture says repeatedly over and over that God is love, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, none. So why would you attribute sickness and disease, the author of it, as being God? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 12, he said, he said, no kingdom can stand if it's divided. He said, if Satan casts out Satan, then his kingdom is divided and it won't stand. So if God uses the devil's devices to instruct and correct us, then his kingdom wouldn't stand because it would be destroyed. Jesus made that point, okay? So what are we going to do? Are we going to believe what the word of God says? Or are we going to default to doctrines of men? Theology that men came up with because for some reason or another, their Aunt Susie didn't get healed. And they're trying to make an excuse based on totally just their fleshly, carnal reasoning. And they always use this. Oh, well, Aunt Susie was in the church every time the doors were open. She was feeding the hungry. She was ministering to the poor. She gave all of her wealth away and and all these things they say. And, and, you know, they build a good case. And you, and you could even step back and say, yeah, I wonder why God didn't heal her. Now, that would be all good and true if it was up to God to heal that person. See, healing has already been provided in Christ. It's been released into the world through the Spirit of God because of what Christ did in conquering death disease, loss, and destruction. Now, if we don't choose to accept that, can we point a finger at God and say, well, it's your fault? I think not. We're going to see as we go along, there's some awesome points uh, in here. And I just wanted to remind us, uh, since I'm open to Matthew 12, let me just read this one verse here. Uh, Listen to this. Remember, Jesus said he came to do the will of his father. And he said in, uh, what is it, John 17, he said, the works that my father has given me to do, I have finished. Okay? In other words, he completed them. He didn't leave any of them out or undone. Now listen to this. It says, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence 
and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Stop a minute. It says all. Yes. Oh, well, I should point out that in the Greek, that word that's translated as all, it actually means all to the exclusion of none. <laughs> all. Think about that, folks. That's pretty important to realize. Let, let me, in case you're a legalistic like I was, let's, let me give you a second witness to that. No, no, I understand. No, you don't have to say anything. In Luke chapter 6, listen to this. It says um, uh, in verse 17, And he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people uh, <clears throat> out of all Judea and Jerusalem from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came down to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. I don't want to read over that too fast. They came down to hear him and do what? And be healed. I'm going to touch on that again in a second. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue out of him and healed them all. You know, that's that same Greek word. Remember, in the Greek, that word's translated to all. It means all to the exclusion of zero. Nothing where it's all inclusive. Amen. Do you realize that the word whosoever is also inclusive? It says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's inclusive when you agree with it. When your heart agrees that I am a whosoever, then you can benefit from whatever that promise is to whosoever. Amen? Uh, listen to this. In uh, Well, I'm right here in Luke. Before I go on, I'm going to go back a page. Listen to what this says. In uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 17, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town, of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to make them sick so that they could learn what he was teaching them. No. <laughs> it's not there, folks. That's what you would have to change this verse to say if you accepted the doctrine that God makes people sick to make them well. To, to instruct them, to teach them things. No, Jesus had a perfect opportunity. He said, well, look at this. This guy with palsy, I'm going to make him even sicker so he can learn the lesson. No, Jesus didn't do that. This verse says this, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal them, not to make them sick not to chastise them with sickness. That's not there, folks. Not at all. Think about Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says there that Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Okay? You know, 
folks, uh, I'm going to quote my, my friend uh, Julianne. I'm not mad or ticked off. I'm passionate about this because if you were on the end of the phone that I'm on talking to the people that are sick and have been deceived into agreeing with that lie, that doctrine of the devil, and they're blaming God, the very person who's released healing through Jesus Christ unto them, and they don't have confidence to believe that God wants them well. Why? Because like me, they were taught a lie. They were raised under a false teaching. Yes, folks, there's no other way to say it. It's a doctrine of the devil. It is. The Bible's very clear in, in uh, 1 John 3, verse 8. It says that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Okay, let's just repeat for all of our benefits. What is the work of the devil? Death, destruction, and loss. Yes, death, destruction, and loss. That's the works of the devil. Amen? So what... what I just can't, I mean, I've got to move on because that just irritates me to think that people would attribute evil to our Heavenly Father when He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. There was only one child born to our Father, and that was Jesus Christ, okay? And, and He gave His Son because he loved you and me so much. Yeah, that, that's just totally opposite of this thinking that God makes people sick. It just doesn't fit. Consider, if God makes anyone sick, he made Jesus sick for you and me so that we would not have to bear it. And it was done for judgment, not for correction or instruction. It was... Jesus took, he was reaping what you and I sowed because God put what we sowed, sin, on Jesus and he suffered the consequences for us. Listen to this scripture. You all know it, but I'm going to just read it anyway. Listen to this in uh, Isaiah 53. Notice what it says. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, not his own. He was bruised for our iniquities, not his own. And the chastisement of our peace was upon who? It was upon Jesus, not upon us. And then if you read on down in verse 10, it said, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. You know this word grief here and the word grief that I used in verse 4 is translated in, in Matthew chapter 8, 17, where it says, Jesus himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses that what Isaiah the prophet spoke of him would be fulfilled. See, Jesus took that sickness and disease on us and God placed it upon him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
God doesn't put sickness and disease on us. Let's just read on. What does God use for instruction and correction? I'm going to get to that in a second. But listen to this. Notice, I just want to point out, uh, back to Luke. I'm going to go to Luke 6 here. Notice this. This is God's heart for all of mankind. Okay? Our Father, who ministered through Jesus Christ, His will, and demonstrated that what it looks like to live and walk in the Word of God, Jesus did that, demonstrated it unto us perfectly, without error, without fault. He showed us what it looks like. And listen to what Jesus says here. I'm in, uh, I could read the whole thing, but I'm not going to. Um, in Luke chapter 6, verse um, uh, 35. He says, well, verse 34, he says, if you lend of them whom you hope to receive, what thank it? What thank have you for sinners also lend to sinners and receive as much again? But he said, love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great. Stop a minute and think. If you were to apply that doctrine of God making sick, sick to correct them, then you'd have to say, well, God's going to withhold money from you to teach you a lesson. But this says to lend to your enemies, people that are opposed to you, and you're supposed to be walking with God. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Don't hurt them. Love them. Lend to them. And he goes on to say, he says, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. Now he's saying, if you do those things, you'll be just like my father. And listen to how he describes his father. He says, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, even as your father also is merciful. Stop a minute there. Just think for a second. Is it mercy to make someone sick? No. You're, if you have to make someone sick to cooperate with you or to receive from you, that's called manipulation. That's not called instruction. Instruction presents an idea, a thought, a lesson, and then yields the receipt of it unto you. Not, not, it doesn't force you to do it. That would be like making a mandate that doesn't apply to everyone, but yet making everyone yield to that mandate. That's, that's, that's demonic. That's how the devil operates. This is my way. And if you don't do it, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to rob from you, steal from you, and destroy. That's of the devil. That's not from God. Wow, it just occurred to me. We have just such mandates in our, in our culture today. Crazy, huh? I wonder who's behind them. Hmm. Anyway, let's move on. Think about this for a second. This is a good point. In Luke chapter 20, well, it's, it's, I think it's in all the Gospels, where Jesus was being taken in the garden. He was betrayed by Judas in the garden. 
And while he's there in the garden and this whole pack of the high priest's servants are there to take Jesus to destroy him. So the intent of that group or that band of bandits is to hurt, to destroy, and to steal, okay? That's the motive of all these people bonded together to go take Jesus. Now listen to what happens. Peter pulls out his sword and takes a whack at one of the servants of the high priest and he cuts off to the guy's ear, okay? The guy had to have ducked, you know? I'm surprised he didn't chop his shoulder off too. But anyway, and when the man loses his ear and it falls to the ground, Jesus says, it serves you right that you lost your ear because those that live by the sword are going to die by the sword. No, Jesus didn't say that. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus demonstrated, verse 35 and 36, that we just read in Luke. Do you know what he did? He picked up the ear that was cut off and he put it back on this servant, Malchus, and he healed the man's ear. Whoa, he missed a perfect opportunity to say to that man, well, it's God's will that you lost your ear. It'll be a good reminder to you to stop listening to the lies of the high priest. Folks, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't. It denies the love of God. It, as I said before, it turns the light of God into darkness. It turns his love to hate. Amen? It turns his life into death. We know that's not of God. Amen? Okay. In uh, Wow, there's so many points I wanted to cover. Just one more. This is a good, and then I'll move on to uh, Hebrews. Um, in John chapter 5, the man at the pool of the Bethesda that Jesus went and asked him, would you be made whole? And the man uh, in a roundabout way said yes. And then when Jesus gave him the opportunity, he didn't hesitate. He took up his mat and he left. But then Jesus tracked him down later. And I know this was not only for his benefit, but for ours as well. And when Jesus found the man, he told him something very profound. He said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. See, he was telling us there that that man's sickness came through his sin. And even when he was in his sin, you know, and, you know, dealing with the consequences of it. Think about this. The Father sent Jesus to deliver the man, completely to set him free. And all the man had to do was accept the gift that the Father offered him that to deliver him from what was a fruit, think about it, a fruit of his own actions, his own free will being exercised. And Jesus didn't condemn the man. He didn't even point out to him when he was first talking to him. Hey, well, you know, you're here because of your sin. No, after he received deliverance, he went and instructed him with the word for what purpose? So that the man could be free and remain free. See, turn with me to Psalms uh, 94. L listen to in Psalms 94 what this says. 
It says, blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth. You know that word chasten, you can look it up. It, it means to uh, like instruct or to humble in a sense. But listen to how it's given. It says, blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Jehovah, and teachest him out of thy law or from your word. In other words, God uses his word to chasten us. He presents the word to us. And if we will receive and embrace that word, what's that going to do? It's going to produce, as we read last week in Hebrews 12, the peaceable fruit of righteousness in those that are exercised thereby. Remember, uh, in the same Psalms, uh, Psalms 107, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. He didn't send more sickness and more disease. He sent his word and healed them. Notice what it says in Psalms 107, verse 19. Uh, wait, in verse 17, it says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Think about that. You know, Paul said the reason why we want to walk in the word and, and depart from uh, living in the flesh is to not give place to the devil. See, the, the, every seed reproduces after its own kind. God doesn't, God established the law, but we cooperate with it. If you're going to sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. God's not making that happen. That law that was established from the very beginning is producing that fruit. And you can either cooperate with that fruit of death and destruction and loss, or you can cooperate with the instruction that God has given us through his word to do what? Well, uh, Psalms 119, listen to this. In Psalms 119, it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with a whole heart. They don't do iniquity. They walk in his word and his ways. Think about that. Listen, verse 5, it says, Oh, that thy my ways were directed to keep your word. Why? Because it's going to produce life. Listen to what it says. Then shall I not be ashamed. Why? Because I was got sick? No, it says I will not be ashamed because I am applying the words of your truth to my life. And what's it producing? It says, then I shall not be ashamed when I have respect unto all your word. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I have learned your righteous judgments. So if that's the fruit of learning the righteous judgments, why would God use anything else? Folks, this is just what I call God logic. It's just very simple. One plus one equals two. It's very simple understanding. Listen to this. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By getting sick with a disease that God gave him. No, it doesn't say that. It says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs, I believe it's six, it says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, not by sickness and disease. Why would God put sickness and disease on you if it doesn't purge 
iniquity out of your life. You know why he doesn't do that? Because he has something that works better. It's his word. Listen to this in verse 11. Thy word of Psalms 119. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What is our protection, our strength against sin? It's the word of God. What does God use to instruct us? Well, there's many verses uh, here that God, uh, in uh, Psalms 119, I encourage you to read through it. I'm not going to take the time. I wrote down a bunch of them, but I will read one other place from this. Listen to this in Psalms, uh, I mean, the Psalms 119.71. It says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Now, people take that verse and they exclude all the other verses and they say, well, affliction is sickness and disease. So it was good that they got sick so they could learn the word. You know, there's a very popular uh, teacher out there who blamed God for their, for their uh, disability instead of acknowledging that they disregarded all of the warnings that God gave them, they disregarded all the warnings that were posted, they disregarded them all and did something that warned them could result in their death. And now they blame God and they say God did that to them so that they would turn to God. You know what that is, folks? In all honesty, that's justification. That person will not acknowledge their own sin and error to be delivered and set free. You know, the Bible says that, that it's through repentance, a change of mind, that we're able to receive what God has made available to us. So if we're going to justify our, our situation because we won't humble ourselves and acknowledge the truth, then what's going to happen? Well, we're going to be stuck in our situation. Not God's will, but our will. Listen to this. Uh, uh, on this point, and then I'm going to go to Hebrews, which I promised you. Listen, I'm in 2 Timothy uh, chapter um, 2. And in verse 15, it says, Timothy, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, in which is in Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, look, I can teach you the word, but until you put your faith or confidence in it, the same faith that Jesus placed in it, until you do that, you're not going to profit from it. He goes on to say that all scripture was given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? To make you sick and diseased? No. It's that the man of God would be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Not to preach a doctrine that God made me sick so that I would be a better vessel unto him. That's a doctrine of the devil. That's attributing the character of the devil to God. You know, Jesus said, as long as a person believes that, they will not be able to receive what God has done for them in Christ Jesus. 
That's Jesus' words, not mine. Go there, read it for yourself, Matthew chapter 12. He makes it very clear there. Um, and uh, Mark 13, he calls it what it is. And uh, you read it. Read it for yourself. Jesus said that as long as you're thinking that what uh, that the spirit in Christ is the spirit of the devil, he said you can't even get saved. The Holy Spirit can't forgive you of that because your heart is in agreement with it. Everything else is forgiven in Christ Jesus. But if you won't attribute or you won't acknowledge that it was the Spirit of God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, and you say that's the Spirit of the devil, then you won't be able to put faith in the Messiah to be saved from your sins. That's how detrimental this doctrine is, folks. So if you attribute any evil to God at all, you're just hindering your own heart from the freedom that God has provided for you in Christ Jesus. It's that simple. God's not hindering you. Let's go to Hebrews, and I'm going to wrap it up here. In Hebrews chapter 12, Listen to what it says. I'm just going to point out a few points. We could really, uh, you know, get go much deeper into it. But I like to teach and to like get a person jump started with the points that will begin to get them to think, which opens your mind to hear what the Spirit wants to teach you. If I spoon fed you it all and I chewed it all up for you so you could just swallow it, then you wouldn't get all the nutrition out of it. Just I would. But what I want to do is I want to point out some basic principles. And I, I do that in every one of my teachings. And if you'll take those principles, not just, you know, well, Mike said this, Mike said that. No, if you'll take the principle that I'm expressing as Jesus taught his disciples, if, if you will take those principles and say, now, wait a minute, this is a truth, a principle from God. So that means it has application to everything. So if you'll take those principles and apply them to each and every verse, it'll come alive. And when you read the Bible, you won't be saying, well, I wonder what he's saying here. You'll be saying to yourself, because you'll be hearing the Spirit echoing what you've learned in your heart, you'll be saying, well, this is God's nature here. This isn't God's nature here. So if, if this is saying that, and it appears to look like uh, it's evil or bad or hurtful, it can't be God because that's not his character. That's not his nature. So I'm going to read on and see what it's saying in context with what I already understand about God and his true nature. And that was manifested in Jesus Christ. So let's read this again. Again, uh, just quick summary is that He's writing this and saying, yeah, our example is Jesus. Look to Jesus. What did he do when he was tempted? When he was tempted, he turned to the word and the instruction that he received from his father. And what did that produce? It produced victory from the temptation. He didn't have to go through the temptation and get sick or diseased or hurt in any way. He just accepted the instruction that the Father gave him. And he said, well, that's truth. I'm going to stick with truth because knowing that truth makes me free. So 
That's the point he's making. He's saying, look, you haven't resisted unto blood. In other words, Jesus took our, our sin and he bore the judgment all the way to the tree into hell and was set free from it and resurrected as a result of it. And he's saying, look, folks, don't just let anything that comes along uh, deter you off the ability and the strength that you have and the power you have in God. Don't just try and fight this on your own. He says, you have forgotten the exhortation, verse 5, which speaketh unto us as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening, which is instruction or correction of the Lord, nor faint when thou art instructed or rebuked or corrected of him. See, when we're hearing the word, we shouldn't get all condemned over it. We should say, Father, what are you trying to teach me? I want to learn what your word is saying so that I can hide that in my heart and sin won't have a place in my life. And if sin doesn't have a place in my life, then Satan has no place in my life. Amen? It says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, you are bastards and not sons. He's saying, look, if you're truly born again, then God is going to instruct you as a son. Now, how does God do it? He uses terminology from the Old Testament, uh, like in Proverbs, where he talks about if you spare the rod, you don't really love your child. Now, that rod wasn't to hurt them. That rod was to get their attention. And that rod was not sickness. It was not disease. It wasn't anything like that. It was a belt on their bottom. Uh, it was, you know, however they uh, did it in the Old Testament, a switch, you know, a, a tree branch or whatever, something to get their attention, but not to hurt them or to cause them to be sick. It's not, there's not one example in the Old Testament of that. Not one. Not one single thing. And it goes on to say, it says, Furthermore, you, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? You know, I think of the parable that Jesus taught demonstrating this principle when he talked about the, uh, the parable of the prodigal son. See, that prodigal son went out and, and uh, just squandered his whole inheritance. And, but yet his father didn't send sickness and disease after him. This man, through his own actions, uh, was humbled because of his own actions. God wasn't saying, well, we'll make sure you spend every last dime. Here, here's another whorehouse. You know, here's another brothel. You know, here's some more booze. I'm going to have you spend all your money on that. God wasn't doing that. That was that man's own choices. And what happened when the guy came back? The father didn't reject him. He instructed him. How did he instruct him? With love. He said, son, I love you. Son, I accept you. Son, yes, what you did was wrong. It wasn't good for you, but it doesn't change how I feel about you. 
And then when that guy's brother got all ticked off, the father didn't say, well, I'll make you sick or I, you can't have any more food until you learn the same lesson your brother did. No, he instructed him with words of wisdom from the scriptures. He said, all that I have is mine. You could have your friends over any time and, and kill the fatted calf. You're the one that chose not to do that. So let's just rejoice that your brother who was dead is now alive. Let's rejoice in that. That's how a father instructs his son. And that's what this is saying right here. He says, uh, verse 11, he says, No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Here's an important, very important qualifying phrase. Unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, it's not going to benefit you, the instruction of God, His Word, the truth that He's sending you, if you don't yield to it, if you don't surrender your heart to it. It will be of no benefit to you. It won't yield the fruit that's in it if we don't receive the truth that God is sending to us. Isn't that awesome? And I'll conclude with this. He says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet. How? By yielding to the word that God is sending to us. He sent his word and healed them. He didn't send more sickness and disease and destruction to heal them. He sent his word and healed them. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. That's what the word says. See, God's heart is receive my word, accept the truth, bow your heart to that, walk in that, live in that, speak that. And what will it produce? It'll cause healing to spring forth that's in you. Folks, there is no such thing, not in God's word. It's only in the devil's plan to get you to think that God is making someone sick to make them well. That is just, it is so unscriptural. So I encourage you to take the points that you've heard, the principles that I've shared, and go through the word yourself. Let your heart become like Abraham's, fully persuaded that God is good. When it says God is love, it doesn't have a dagger that has love on it. No, it, it's not. God says, this is the love of God, that we walk in his word, and his word is not grievous. Wow. So good, folks. So good. Well, hey, thanks again for joining me today. So appreciate your hearts to just be with me and to hear these wonderful truths and to let God instruct us with these truths so that we can experience and walk in the fullness of what Christ has done to live in that righteousness. So once again, thank you for joining me and I pray that you have an awesomely blessed week. Amen. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. 
Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes we are healed. God bless you.